0: Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, good morning again, everyone, and good morning to anyone that has slipped in during the course of the worship time. Uh, It is really fantastic to have you with us. Uh, My name is Jason, for any of you who perhaps don't know or anyone that is listening online. uh, And it's really exciting to be able to be wrapping up what has been a three-week series for us out of the Gospel of Mark. And so if you have your Bibles with you and you want to take those out, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you want to use your phones, that's also fine. I trust that you will be uh, reading the scriptures and not following the cricket online, uh, but you know, that's uh, that's really up to you. Uh, and so uh, if you want to move to Mark chapter 4, uh, we're going to be reading in just a moment from verse 35 to 41. And so in this account that we've been looking at, it's really extraordinary account that. Uh, Jesus has with the disciples in the midst of a really terrifying moment, the storm that they find themselves in at sea. What we have said is that this storm moment, and it's often like this for us in our lives and our relationship with God, it's in the stormy moments that the character and power and reality of God is revealed to us in new and fresh and deeper ways. And we've been looking at how the wisdom of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, and the power and authority of Jesus are all revealed to the disciples in this really challenging season, in this really challenging moment. And so in week one of the series, and you're welcome to listen to these online if you've missed any of them, we looked in a bit more detail at Jesus, the wise leader and why it's so important for us to follow Jesus' leadership and direction to us, even in seasons when we maybe don't understand the reason for it, even when it doesn't really make sense to us. And sometimes in those moments where the commands of God are so simple, and we're going to look at this in a moment, Jesus simply says, I want to cross to the other side. And yet what that's going to mean for them is having to navigate the storm. And what, what that's like for us in our life. sometimes God will say some simple things to us, and yet it can be challenging and sort of testing right to the core of our faith and trust on him. So we looked at, at Jesus, the wise leader. Then we looked at how God loves us, and how Jesus is absolutely compassionate towards us, and how uh, trials and challenge, adversity and hardship, when we are facing those things, Those are not signs that God's love has departed from us. Those are not things that separate us from the power of God's love towards us. But those actually become moments when we can experience even more powerfully and profoundly the love of God towards us in those times. Sometimes the power of God is seen by stilling the storm. And a lot of times we see the power of God is experienced as he stills us in the midst of the storm, and we experience his love and compassion in that way. And then I said this week, we're going to focus more on the power and authority of Jesus and what it looks like to live aware of the power and authority of God. How we approach a God of great power and great authority when we find ourselves in times of need, uh, which is something that we are really called to do, that we're meant to do. But how do we approach a God of such great power and great authority as we find ourselves in really challenging situations in life? Okay, so hopefully uh, during the course of that introduction, you've managed to find Mark chapter four, uh, but otherwise it will be up uh, on the screen, but uh, it's always nice to read it in your own. A- your own Bibles, Okay, verse 35 says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And we're going to see this is one of the reasons that Jesus brings the challenge to the disciples later on. Because he's actually said something is going to take place. We are going to get to the other side. That is where we are going. Verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Verse 39. He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Then they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him. The language here is, is quite important, actually, and William Lane, for those of you who are interested or perhaps taking notes, has written a fantastic commentary on the Gospel of Mark, and he says this about the language in this section that I thought I'd just read to you. He says, the cosmic big, big overtones here, the cosmic overtones in this Gospel account must not be missed. Mark has underlined them by a careful choice of terminology, which recalls Jesus' encounter with the demons. uh, uh, Chapter 1, verse 25, chapter 3, verse 12, and later on, chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus rebuked the wind. The same language that he uses in those other accounts. Jesus addressed the raging storm as a force threatening him and his disciples. And so there seems to be this indication in the language of this account that there is more at play here than simply a natural storm. And yet again we see the power and authority of Jesus is displayed over nature and perhaps over something more sinister as well. We see Jesus' authority is not to be challenged. His power is over all things. You know, I was reading this, and I, I guess I was thinking at some levels, you might come to the end of the story, and the disciples might have come to the end of the story if nothing, if nothing else had happened after Jesus had stilled the storm. If he hadn't said anything else to them, we might leave and sort of feel, well, this was a successful moment. There was this incredible storm. There was something maybe even sinister in the midst of the storm, and they seem to do something quite good, don't they? They go to Jesus, they wake him up, they say, God, we've got a problem, we're dying, and Jesus then gets up and stills the storm, and they're all okay. And you sort of get to the end of it, and you think, well, that was a victory. That was a moment of success. You seem to have dealt with that quite well. And yet Jesus recognizes there's something off in the way that the disciples have responded. And he is so good, isn't he, at getting to the heart of the issue, both with his disciples and with us. And there's something about the probing questions of Jesus that are really good for us to wrestle with and to engage with. And so God now challenges his disciples just as he challenges us. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? To which we reply, well, we're dying. The (laughs) the boat is sinking. This is one of the worst storms that we have ever seen. We are seasoned sailors. We have never been out in weather like this. That's why we're afraid. And yet his response is, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? William Lane goes on in his commentary to say, Jesus now rebukes the disciples. He's rebuked the storm. <laughs> he now rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith in him, which is being expressed in their terror and their fear. Yeah, I look at this and I think, The disciples respond in a way that's probably quite similar to the way that I would respond, that we would respond when we find ourselves facing situations that are beyond us, that are challenging, that are difficult, that are life threatening. Perhaps we see that rather than trusting in Jesus' decision to cross to the other side, that Jesus would what he has said, rather than believing that Jesus does actually care for them, that Jesus will be able to deal with the storm if that is is necessary, we see that they panic. They, They panic in the midst of the space and we see from Jesus that their panic and anxiety is not actually stemming from the storm. Because Jesus gets up and he doesn't panic. He gets up He looks at the storm and he commands the wind and the waves to be still because he recognizes this is not a threat to panic about because I have the authority to actually deal with it. But their lack of faith in his identity and power and authority has caused them, in this instance, to respond with anxiety. Not always the cause of anxiety and fear, but we know from Jesus in this instance the storm was not the problem, their faith in Jesus was. Jesus says they have seen enough of who I am through the, the healings, the deliverance, the teaching, the miracles, the signs, and the wonders to know we would be okay in the midst of this challenge. You know, I am someone that I hope believes wholeheartedly in the power and authority of God working through God's people today. I believe that. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the authority of God. And as a church here, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the healing gifts, miracles, signs, and wonders. And I hope, this is my hope, I hope that as I or we face storms in the future, I hope that we would have the the faith and the courage in those moments to be able to place our trust again in the identity and character and goodness and faithfulness and, and power of God, that as we pray, we would see healing, we would see provision, we would see deliverance, we would see transformation, we would see the wisdom come to us that we need to be able to navigate the situations that we perhaps have to face. And that as we do that, we would do that with a heart that's not seeking to test God, but that is actually able to trust Him. That we would experience victory not despite us, but because we've truly partnered with God. I'm also deeply aware that to be a community that is able to take those bold risks of faith, and trust God, and pray, and trust that he will come through, as we need him to come through, that he would still the storms. If we're going to be that kind of community, we also need to be the kind of community that's able to trust God when the storm remains. Like Paul was on the boat in the midst of the storm, in Acts. You remember that story. And they were going to die it says they got to the point where they lost all hope. They'd run out of food. They thought this was it. And God comes to them and says, you will survive But through the storm. The ship will be lost and you will sink. But everybody is going to survive. And there are times when the miracles of God are seen in preserving us through the hardship, not taking the hardship away. God through the centuries has revealed his love and compassion as God's people have had to journey through the pain of earthly loss. And so we live in the midst of this tension where we know we serve a God who is powerful to act and we know we serve a God who is powerful to comfort us when his wisdom transcends ours. But how do we respond? How do we respond as we face adversity, what is our heart response? Is our heart response one of trust? Or is our heart response actually one of accusation and a testing of who God is? Do you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3? And their expression of faith. I think there's a lot that we can learn from them. It says this in Daniel chapter 3. So this is Nebuchadnezzar now coming to challenge them. This is a storm for these these men of God. And and the king says, if you do not worship it, the image of Nebuchadnezzar's God, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Okay? That's a difficult position to find yourself in. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. They believe in the power of God, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They believe that God actually cares enough for them to do it. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. What an incredible expression of faith and trust in the midst of the storm that God is able, that God is willing, but even if in God's wisdom He chooses to do something different. Our hearts belong to the Lord. And we trust him above the storm. In other words, we're not making deals with God. How many of you have made deals with God? I have. God, if you do this, I will serve you. God, you need to do this because I have done this for you. God, prove yourself. And we make demands of God as if we were in charge. Understandably, in the challenges that we can face. And I know the challenges that some of you have walked through. I know the challenges that some of you are walking through right now that other people don't even know about. I get it. I know it. I've walked through it myself. These are hard spaces to be in. You know, I, I was talking with Nikki about this. What would have been a right response for the disciples in this situation? How could they have responded in the, the storm in a way that Jesus would have actually commended them? Because we get the challenge, so we know how not to do it. <laughs> but, but what was it meant to look like? And, and I think if their response had been something more along the lines of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if it had been more along the lines, perhaps, of the centurion who sends word to Jesus, do you remember that? As his servant is, is paralyzed and sick and says, Lord, I know that you have authority and power. I know you just need to speak the word. I don't deserve for you to come to my house. And, and what does Jesus say? I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel this expression of belief and trust in the power of God i think if the disciples had done something like jesus we know that you have said we're going to the other side and we know that you have the power to still this storm and we trust you to do it but if we die we die with you because we place our hope and our trust in you we love you and we are for you. Now that's a very difficult thing to say. But I think if they'd expressed a faith like that, I think Jesus would have got up, still the storm, and said something like, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've you've got it. You've actually understood it. We're in the fight together. But you trusted me even when you didn't understand. Does that make sense? That God is calling that out of us. Now, that is a rich level of faith and trust. That is not easy, but it's powerful. It's not easy, but what it means is we can fight with both fists. I remember listening to to P.J. Smyre in South Africa, one of the the pastors of one of the fastest growing churches in, in South Africa at the time. And he had an incredible battle with cancer. And God really spoke to him out of Daniel chapter 3 and said, PJ, I'm calling you to fight, but you need to fight with both fists. The one punch is God can do it. God is able. We're going to pray and we're going to trust and we're going to fast and we're going to trust that the power of God and the authority of God is going to be released. That's your one punch. But the other punch is, I trust you when I don't understand. I trust you whether it works or not. I trust in the wisdom and faithfulness and compassion of God whether I have to endure the storm and you don't stand. But we fight with both vests. And and that, that, that is the place I believe God is calling us to. That we can fight with one another and we can journey with one another in the midst of the storm. And we would know the power of God and the compassion of God in both. And when it's tough, it's really easy to let go of one of those. We let go of the power or we let go of the trust. And God says, I want you to fight with both. See, when we face challenge, we can come to God and we can know that he hears us. Know that he cares. Know that he's able. And we should call out to him for help. I think the question out of this passage is, can God know that we will trust him regardless of the outcome? Can God know that you will trust him regardless of the outcome? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.